This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live from Granite Credit Union, their brand new location here in Sugar House. 15th East and 21st South. Come on by and say hello. We still have some jazz gear for you if you would like as well. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end of season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Uh, he writes for The Athletic. We welcome him back to the big show. He is Bruce Feldman with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Bruce, thanks for coming back on. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, we're, we're super stoked to get you on today. Uh, Red top to bottom, your latest on, on USC. I know you teamed up with Antonio Morales there at The Athletic, but I thought it was terrific. Before we get into some details, tell us kind of how this story came together and why you started looking into exactly what went wrong. Yeah, it really was something where I had talked to a, uh, some former USC assistants and like the question was kind of, how did USC lose its way? And that's kind of how we started. And then Antonio and I started kind of talking back and forth about who else we should talk to to see if you know, this would be kind of a fascinating postmortem because we knew that the recruiting had really been a mess at USC. But then there was other issues you started hearing and – especially when I even talked to coaches who faced them in the conference who would talk about, well, the air raid, they went that direction. And because of that, they went all their, the mentality of how they practiced and what they cared about changed. They became, as one coach said, that's how USC became soft. Another coach in the league had talked about um, just an undisciplined, unfocused team that you could tell their locker room wasn't very good because of how – the players acted during games and out on the field. Um, so there was that part of it. And just some of the stuff I heard from former coaches who were on Clay Hilton's staff would just really kind of echo some points about him not, you know, as much as they may have liked him personally, he just didn't have like any presence and, and the players took advantage of it. And even some of the, the other staff members took advantage of it. And so you just, you just screamed a lack of accountability across the board. And, yes, they had some good players, but at the same time, they didn't have enough of them. And, you know, the more picture we were starting to get, as, you know, he was talking to high school coaches around here who, who had, uh, you know, sent a bunch of players to USC and knew those coaches and talked to some parents of players who had really strong opinions about what had gone wrong. And that's why – you know, it, usually when you do a story, if you have one or two really kind of eye-popping quotes, you feel like you have a really good story. In this one, I honestly think Antonio and I had about a dozen, like, kind of wow quotes that just jumped out at you from what we were hearing. And, you know, I mean, the story kind of really took off this morning, and and uh, you know, it's been interesting. I went somewhere today, and a, uh, a friend of mine was like, hey, I heard them talking about your story on 
on uh, on the radio around town. It's just like it's one of those things where I think a lot of people are very curious about. They knew it went wrong. I think they wanted to get a better picture on why it went so wrong. Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, I mean, and, well, let me ask you this: in the context of what you were writing about on this one. How difficult is it to get assistant coaches, which we all know are really important to the success of a program, but getting assistant coaches who are good recruiters, too? I mean, some people, it seems like you either get good recruiters or you get good coaches. You can't get both. How difficult it is for an outfit like SC to get them both? I think it's it's a real key point because you get certain guys, especially some of them who have been in the NFL most of their careers, and maybe – not that they felt like recruiting was beneath them, but kind of they didn't, you know, they were able to not recruit because as it was explained to me by multiple people around the program that they had basically, you know, Clay doesn't like, Clay Helton does not like conflict, didn't like arguments. And he just kind of acquiesced to a lot of people. And what you ended up getting um, was a staff that kind of was, was at times at odds because you had a lot of guys for us, you know, it was offense versus defense. I think there was some, you know, some frustration with the special teams coordinator that he was always in Clay Helton's ear about what he thought they should be doing, which a lot of people around the program felt like that was completely counter to the things that made Pete Carroll's program successful. And so that dynamic with the staff was one of the bigger issues. And then it made it harder to hire assistants because, to be honest, Clay Helton's been on the hot seat since 2018. And a lot of guys, as much as as USC has this rich tradition and a lot of potential in it, a lot of people didn't want to come work for somebody they knew was, was about to get fired or they thought was about to get fired. That sounds like a viper pit, a little bit. <laughs> Bruce Feldman is with us from The Athletic uh, here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Um, reading through the, the recruiting part of the story, I, th- I thought was really fascinating. I guess my, my question to you is, do you feel like USC has been missing on big-time players or misidentifying big-time players? I think it's both, but I think a lot of it has been misidentifying players in terms of you know, maybe they were chasing stars, and a lot of times they got they got guys who either were overhyped or just not great fits. Uh, occasionally, they would get these five star guys who, as one of the former USC assistant coaches said, you know that guy probably would have been a good player thirty years ago. It's a linebacker who's kind of stiff and doesn't you know doesn't run sideline to sideline. It's somebody who's very physical but but limited physically and and. This coach made the point. It was like Nick Saban turns down 10 five-stars a year because they're not good enough, you know, when he sees it and trusts his own evaluation. And I think a lot of times they got away from that. Um, and I'm not even, you know, like you talk to people who were around the program for a long time who were on the staff, and one of them made the point that's in the story is when the old staff, the, the Pete Carroll at Ogeron group was there, they kind of knew, okay, this is what a wide receiver we feel like should look like. This is how a defensive lineman should play. And they just felt like they didn't really have that identification piece of it at USC. And what made it harder was, you know, if they were going to try to really truly compete for national championships, you got to beat the teams that are playing for national championships, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Clemson, Ohio State, you know, the, the LSUs, four players on a lot of recruiting battles and 
you know, the right out of the top of our story in the athletic is this, is this scene where like a guy who's got a big reputation as a recruiter is, you know, it's outlying. I felt like I'm in there all by myself because when it comes to a home visit, if I, if the kid is going to host Clay Helton and right before him or right after him is Nick Saban or Urban Meyer or Dabo Sweeney, that kid's not looking at, at, at uh, Clay Helton and going, that's a real guy. You know, they just didn't feel like he had the same presence and that gravitas that those other guys had. And that matters to to what you buy in. And so the reality is they did not beat those schools hardly at all for players those schools wanted. And ultimately, you know, you can be a top 25 team, but you're not going to be anywhere near a, a national title contender without some of that coveted talent. How big a factor do you think it was that Clay Helton apparently didn't want to cheat in his recruiting? Is that, is that notion misguided, or is it, uh, was it a real factor? No, I think it's a factor to some degree. I mean, I think there are a handful of guys, and look, I thought that was one of the wow quotes in the story is one of the coaches brutally honest saying, you know, every year there's probably 20 to 30 players who are going to get a bunch of money to come play college football. And they're either quarterbacks usually or defensive linemen. And quite honestly, USC used to be really good at getting defensive linemen, and they're not very good at it anymore. They've gotten a few. But the idea that Clay Helton was, was told his staff, hey, we're, if we get fired, it's going to be because I didn't win, not because we didn't cheat and, or we cheated. And that, I think, reality, um, it's kind of an unspoken reality into – college recruiting now i mean there's a bunch of players who are really good players from the west coast who use you know you would normally expect to be trojans who ended up going someplace else i'm not saying they all got money to leave but i think it'd be really naive to think some of them just decided to leave and go far far away maybe played in the sec maybe played in some other league where they had no connections to because somebody else was taking care of them or their family. This is a takeoff of, of your answer there, Bruce, and what, what Gordon just asked you. And this is just a personal pet peeve of mine So with this story. So let me know if I'm being naive here. But it, it, we knew this about Clay Helton, that he was a, a good guy. And, you know, you're talking about how he didn't want to cheat. But we knew there was some integrity there. And that was supposedly the reason that USC kept him going into this season. That, uh, you know, coming off the academic scandal, you know, they're turning the page with the new president, the new athletic director and said, we're going to do it right this time, and this is a good guy, and we're going to back him and hang on to him. And that lasted two games. <laughs> two wow. games. I mean, what does that mean about their integrity as a university and what they're prioritizing? Well, I think it probably, in, in truth, I think it really lasted probably two seasons and two games because three years ago, coming off 2018 when everybody wanted him fired, they had made the determination. It was the new leadership, as you're talking about, new president, new AD, had made the determination. They really couldn't fire him. They didn't want to fire him because it was going to cost them a fortune to get rid of Clay Helton and his staff and bring in a new staff, somewhere between 45 and $50 million. And at that time, that was something USC couldn't foot the bill on. On top of it, as you said, they had university scandals, some really ugly things, not necessarily just related to sports, but in the university-wide. And the idea of the guy that everybody was clamoring for, Urban Meyer, wasn't something the, the president wanted to do because she felt like 
with his baggage. And remember, he wasn't far removed from the ugliness of the Zach Smith scandal that where he ended up getting suspended for three games at Ohio State. She just felt like, I'm not touching that guy, and I don't want him to be seen as the face of the university as we're coming out of this scandal. So they looked at Clay Helton and were like, we're going to give him every opportunity to try to make it work. And they upped a lot of the infrastructure around the program, and they spent more money on staffing. But ultimately, as we saw like week two, they get blown out by a pretty mediocre Stanford team, and the fan base had had, had enough, and we're, we're not coming out to games anymore. That's it. We're done with it. You guys know what you have to do, and ultimately – they ripped the Band-Aid off and said, we gotta, we get it. we got to make this change now. We're going to have to eat a lot of money, $10 million to Clay Helton, probably more for his staff. But it's not going to be $50 million. It may be $25 million in the end, but they felt like it's a move they could not afford to go with him any longer. So I'll ask you to speculate a little bit on this one, Bruce. Uh, is this what happens, $10 million plus? Does a booster come to the school and say, look, I'll cover this. We're sick of this. Uh, uh, here's the money. Boom. Gone. Well, one of their biggest boosts, the guy who had been their biggest booster, had passed away within like the last six months. Um, but at USC, they have a lot of money, people around. It's just what you run the risk of is if he's still, he being Clay Elton, is still around, you alienate those boosters who are like, you know what? I'm done with the program I'm, um, until you guys make some changes. And so they got to find a way to raise the money to get to, to make these changes. And it's going to cost them a lot of money to hire. If it's, if it's anybody who, you know, going back to what that assistant coach had told me for my story, if there's anybody who is a real guy, quote unquote, they're not going to come cheap, you know, like, so, but that's, you know, like, honestly, you spend a ton of money if you're USC on, and redoing your campus and your campus community and, and upgrades that they did to the Coliseum a couple of years ago, which were significant, you're going to have to pay a lot of money for the product on the field because that's honestly what, what their sports fans care the most about. It's USC. They look at football much differently than much of the Pac-12, rest of the Pac-12 does, and certainly more than UCLA does. So now they got to make a commitment to find that, and I'm sure they will because it's not like – you know, there's going to be people who are going to throw around money to say, hey, I'm going to help you get this right. I remember having a conversation with Norm Chow, and I've told Jake this story. But uh, he said, I asked him what it's like at SC. And he said, uh, just uh, a couple sentences, he said, USC gets what USC wants. And they haven't really had that in recent years. So it will be interesting to see looking forward what happens next. Yeah, I mean, knowing Norm pretty well, he lives down the street from where we are. Um, one of his colleagues who he coached with told me more than once, he said, it's USC. They have to really screw it up. And this person didn't use the word screw it up um, for it to go bad. And Bruce with us from they the usually athletic. do. Last thing for me, Bruce, sorry, uh, this was only the latest story of yours to catch our eye. You had uh, Coach Kalani Satake on a list of possible uh, uh, suitors for that USC job. Do you care to elaborate? Yeah, I think he's done a really good job there. I think he has a lot of strong West Coast ties. And to me, the biggest selling point beyond just obviously he knows the Pac-12 from his time at Utah and even at Oregon State, but his teams are, are these three things above all. They are physical, they are disciplined, and they play really hard. Honestly, those are three qualities that 
you have to question how USC has done. Now, is he a splashy, flashy name for the fan base? I don't know. You know, if he keeps winning, he, you know, we know he's 3-0 against the Pac-12, and if he gets, you know, ends up at whatever it would be in the, over a two-year stretch of like 22-1 and or something, you know, then his name will get hotter. The question is, he's at his alma mater. The BYU program has has elevated status because of now they're in the Big 12, and that's only going to, you know, going to go from there. So I don't know if he would even have a thought of, of, of leaving. But if, I, if I'm USC, some of the names I've heard, you know, kicked around, I think he makes a lot more sense because of what – he has shown he can do, and as anybody who's been around him or his team, you know he's very he's very substantive. You know, it's not just flash. I mean, sometimes some of these names you hear people throw out, whether they're former star players or NFL assistants, there's there's a lot of style there, and I don't know how much substance, and I don't know how much those some of the NFL names get thrown around, how how committed they are to actually recruiting and developing players. So we know this guy can do it. I don't know if he has any interest um i don't know you know financially could usc make a commitment to him that would catch his eye would they make a you know a staffing commitment that would catch his eye? i don't know and i don't know where he would rank on on um, their wish list i do know this uh, there's a handful of names i've heard and i'm like kalani satake would make a lot more sense than a bunch of these other guys i've heard thrown around well, Bruce, Jake and I will continue to uh, funnel people toward your work. Your stories are really, really good, and we would encourage Thank all you. of our listeners to check this out. Not just this, but uh, but everything that's coming from you. I appreciate that, guys. Always fun to talk to you. Thanks, Bruce. And sorry if we had a, a little communication issue right there. I uh, appreciate you jumping on and no, answering good. that coach, coach question. Thank you very much. Great work. Okay. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, Bruce Feldman from The Athletic. Again, his latest, uh, along with Antonio Morales, how USC crashed a friggin' Ferrari of talent and what it, may, it means for the next head coach. Well, normally I would think uh, a whole bunch of people would line up to go to SC, but the way this all went down, it makes you wonder. It's like if, if, if BYU is going to up its the status of its program, like Bruce was talking about there, then I'm not sure that Kalani Sataki would be all that interested in going to SC, even if he had that opportunity. And even if SC was going to pay a whole lot more money, at some point you got to look at it and say, okay, look at where Clay Helton is right now. And, yeah, he's got, he's got a nice-sized bank account, but what's his future in coaching going to look like? Man, I, Kalani's still young. I look you know? at that really differently than you do. Take you say, Kalani, get take, the money and don't worry about it. No, it's not the money. I would look at that job, and I, I'm not, you know, Kalani's at his, his alma mater and going into the Big 12, and maybe this isn't what he wants. But I'd look at the USC job, and I would say, anybody with half a brain can win at USC. Do I have <laughs> half a brain? Do I think that I have half a brain? If my answer to that is yes, then I'm taking that job because I think a moron could win there. It's not as easy as you make it sound. It is. Don't let Kayvon Thibodeau get out of town. <laughs> and, and a whole bunch and of be others. bigger, faster, stronger than your opponent. It's not rocket science. <laughs> yeah, you make a strong argument there. Yeah. It depends on how comfortable you are where you're at. Did Urban Meyer look at the Florida job and go, wow, 
I could turn into Will Muschamp, and he struggled a little bit. Or did he look at the Florida job and say, any moron can win at Florida. Give me that gig. I would love to replace that current moron because he doesn't know what he's doing because anybody with half a brain can win at Florida. So here's the, here's the question. Did Urban want to go to SC, but the president didn't want him? And if that's true, it makes me wonder how, how the boosters feel about that decision by the president. Um, because, you know, I mean, Urban's no angel, that's for sure. But at the college level, at least, he sure seems to have it figured out. I know, but the boosters are also part of their problem. Yeah. You know, and, like, and the, I mean, it, okay, the uh, Urban's going to struggle in the NFL. We know that USC might not be all that much different than the NFL. <laughs> like, Except for that you're playing against inferior teams every week. That's yeah. the big thing. That, well, if that, you do your recruiting correctly. Right. I, I just saw a joke from uh, the College Football Reddit page that, uh-huh. that uh, quoted Urban Myers and talked about the NFL. I should bring it up. But talking about the NFL uh, saying that it's like playing Alabama every single week. And then the, 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 the Reddit page was like, was like, what, you mean Purdue's not on the schedule? <laughs> I mean, there, there are a lot of Boise State coaches that have made their bones being better than every team they play, and, except for one, and somehow fluking out that one once in a while. Yeah, but then they go somewhere else to a bigger program, and then they can't win anymore. Where they don't automatically have the best team. <laughs> Strange. Strange how that happens. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, I'm curious to see what's going to happen now, because if they're interim guy, and what do we hear about Jackson Dort? Oh, he uh, I, torn meniscus. Hold on, I'll get the exact. Uh, well, not torn. Hold on, hold the phone. I want to make sure and get this one right. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> Jackson Dart suffered meniscus injury against Washington State. Underwent surgery earlier this week. Uh, I clicked on the story at twenty four seven Sports and doesn't say uh, what his status is as far as being out. But well, when we were talking earlier about SC's chances, I mean that was factoring into it because we think he's a really talented guy. But now they're going to have to go back to Keaton Slovis. They are screwed. <laughs> Stop it. But. Uh... Yeah, so much for that. You're going to have Surgery to go back to week. the first-team preseason all-conference quarterback? Oh, geez. It's just interesting to hear about the problems at SC and the poor fellas down there and what's happening. When we, we have programs around us here, Utah, BYU, and now Utah State, who may not always have the same advantages that USC does, but the coaches seem to figure out at least – on the reg, maybe not in every case, Utah struggling a little bit right now, but on the whole, they make the most of, they get what they want, they, they're they looking for, they get what they know they can get, and then they make the most of it. Or usually, not always, but often. And USC's down there, you know, sinking. Right. Crazy. Crazy. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's, Embarrassment of riches. And what do they do with it? A whole lot of nothing. That whole idea of falling in love with the star system and not really doing your homework about who really fits your program, who is willing to work hard, who is going to really make you a better football team. That, I mean, I don't know what to do with that, Jake. 
don't know what to do with it. We're live at Grand Credit Union, 15th East, 21st South, uh, the grand opening of their brand-new Sugar House location. It is beautiful. We have uh, jazz gear for you if you want to come by and grab that. Of course, they've got all sorts of stuff going on here as part of their grand opening. Uh, you can enter to win a, a backyard entertainment package featuring cornhole set and lifetime cooler. They've got great auto loan rates, Gordon, as low as 1.99% with no payments for 90 days. They're giving away free money. Uh, they've got matching certificate deposit for opening a first step CD. They'll match the first $100 in reoccurring automatic deposits. Uh, they're going to have food trucks and snacks throughout the weekend. Uh, daily giveaways. They just uh, want to kind of tell the community here in Sugar House that they're here and they're ready to help you. Hey, so, hey, hey, we're here. Look at us. 15th East, 21st South. More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Joined now by Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Tampa Bay. That defense, is that championship-level defense? They've given up a lot of points through two games. Without a doubt. You can't convince me that Tampa could go into Green Bay. The quarterback can throw three interceptions and still walk out of there with a win if they didn't have a good defense. The defense won last year's Super Bowl for him. I know what Brady did. I'm not trying to take away from his shine. One thing I would definitely tip my hat to, and unfortunately have to, is the fact that they were able to keep their entire team together. After winning a Super Bowl, I don't remember if that's ever been done before. So, you know, just as strong as ever. And if they don't lose this week against the Rams, I have a hard time figuring out when they're going to drop one. They could very well go through the season unscathed. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. College football coverage in Utah. This is your Cougars at 30 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Cougars at 30 update here on the big show. Here's Coach Sataki. You'd like everyone to know it's not just quarterbacks who deal with injuries. Everybody will be ready to go. Sweet. People are sore. He had some big boys landed on him. And how come no one's talking about the old linemen and how sore they are? Everybody's sore. It's okay. We go out and work hard and, and try to run the soreness out. But that's nobody's 100% right now. We just need to be close to it by the time we get to game time on Saturday night. This update is brought to you by our friends at Homie. Finally, the way real estate should be, full-service local agents, and you will save thousands. Homie, went, Homie a better way to buy or sell. The best college football coverage in Utah is right here on the Zone Sports Network. We don't quit. Let's go. It's an early start for the Aggies as they square off against Boise State and Logan. Hear all the play-by-play action on the Zone Sports Network, beginning with a pregame show Saturday morning at 9. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5. 
1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day live at Granite Credit Union, 15th East, 21st South, grand opening of their brand-new Sugar House location. Come on by. We still have jazz gear to give away. And uh, check out uh, what they're doing here at Granite. Uh, you can enter to win. Backyard entertainment set. They've got daily giveaways, food trucks, uh, all sorts of uh, great stuff. Yeah, good-looking jazz gear. Yeah. Gordon, I mentioned this a little bit earlier today, but let me ask you this. Are, are you in the crowd that says you can't lose your job to injury? Oh, uh, well, just well, everything kind of depends, doesn't it? Well, 20 years ago today was when uh, Drew Bledsoe got hurt <laughs> and Thomas W. Brady came in. And uh, <laughs> is this middle initial W? Uh, it stands for uh, Wally. <laughs> okay, sure it does. Thomas Wally Brady <laughs> came in and obviously um, the rest is history. I mean, the Patriots, one of the, I guess, I don't want to say most dominant, but one of the best dynasties in all of sports as long as it's lasted the amount of championships uh, how they turned over the roster multiple times and still managed to be contenders all the way throughout i mean truly an amazing story did you see that uh those comments uh, yesterday or so that uh, tom's dad was aiming at bill belichick saying he wanted to get rid of tom and that uh it felt pretty good it was his trainer it, it was tom's that trainer was his dad I thought, it, well, his trainer had some comments today. Oh, Are you dude. talking about something that came out today? No, I thought it was yesterday or the day before. Anyway, doesn't matter. Tom wins. Tom wins, does he? Yes. Uh, let's see. How can you? That's indisputable now. Uh, it would, let's see. Tom's trainer today, Alex Guerrero, said Patriots coach Bill Belichick never evolved in how he treated the star quarterback, a factor that contributed to Brady's exit in 2020 after 20 seasons in New England. Yeah, see, that's a major mistake. Bill wasn't nice enough. No, no. Cry me a river. You can't treat treat Tom Brady the way you treat a a second-year pro. That was the key to their success. That was the key to the Spurs' success, was that since since Pop could get all over Duncan, he could get all over everybody else. I never believed that. Come on. You've got to coddle your stars? I, I just don't believe he did that. He may have acted like he was doing it, but it was wink, wink. You're my guy. You can't treat Tom Brady like just another player. Yeah, you can. No, then, you can't. Then the other Even player- the great John Wooden once told me, he said, you don't treat all your players the same. You can't do that. Well, you can. Well, you shouldn't. What is, uh, there's more, more than one way to skin a cat. Well, one, it cost him Tom Brady. That in and of itself indicates a whole lot. Well, after 20 years and six Super Bowls? Well, and then what did he do? He went somewhere else and won his seventh. What was Bill doing last year? Rebuilding. See, Jake, really, you don't think that uh, Tom Brady deserves to be treated differently? Yes. The answer to the question is yes, he does. Because he's some elitist? No, no, because... He's different than other players. He's on the team, isn't he? He's on the team, but the, you know, like I said, you don't have to treat everybody like a ball bearing. Well, you don't have to kiss a couple players behinds and then drag the rest of the team. No, but you just treat Tom Brady the way Tom Brady should be treated. Which is how? Which is with great, great, great respect. How do you know that he didn't? Well, I mean, it sounds like he didn't. It sounds like he treated him like another player. Did it sound... 
That's not good enough. It is. He's not another player. He's Tom freaking Brady. Yeah, but he's still on the team. Yeah, but that doesn't matter, Jake. I I know you're saying this, but I don't think you believe coddle it. Coddle the star. If you were Just coaching Tom Brady, you'd be treating him like what a coach. Can I you wouldn't be treating you, him Mr. like Mr. Brady. Uh, no, okay. I I started this out on the are you comfortable with a player losing his job to injury? Yeah. And you I, said maybe. Well, in the case of a Tom Brady, yeah. Because he's a great player just sitting there waiting. The same could be said for Joe Montana and Steve Young. Well, Steve Young was just sitting there waiting. Yeah. Did Steve – yeah, but they replaced Joe in the offseason, right, with Steve officially? Uh, I'm not exactly sure how it went down. I think Joe got hurt against – I think it was his Giants, wasn't it? And he got his, his uh, ribs busted or something. And uh, Steve was called upon him from that point on. It was kind of like, okay, what are you going to do now? But you I think Joe came back, and they put Joe back in that season, and then they moved on from him. No, the I don't, I'm not sure about serves. that. But, uh, but anyway, Joe was not happy with the way it was going down. But look, this is I, I, I do believe in treating guys with respect, like I said, for Tom. Uh, but if he is still a, on the top of his game and and he is helping you win – Wait, can I stay on the injury thing, though, real quick? I just can't can't treat him the same as everyone else. But before we move on from the injury thing, can I stay on that real quick? Because I I did want to make a point. That's why I brought it up. I I don't think not losing your job due to injury, I don't think that's realistic, right? Because what if you make the wrong decision, like what happened with Brett Elliott and Alex Smith, and Alex Smith comes in, and he's obviously the better player, and you just selected the wrong guy at the beginning of the year. But speaking of Alex Smith, the one where I have a problem with it, and I'm curious if you agree with this, is the concussion is the one that I don't think you should be able to lose your job because of a concussion. And this is why. Because I think the message needs to be throughout football that you need to be open about having a concussion because it's easy to hide. And I think a big problem in youth sports, high school, and even college is head injuries being hidden by players because they don't want to get Wally pipped. Mm -hmm. They don't want to lose their spot, so they don't care about the brain injury they just sustained. They're going to stay in there. And so they're going to hide it, hide from the trainers, and go play. And I always thought that Alex Smith losing his job to Colin Kaepernick, and, hey, that turned out to be the right decision for them, right? They went to the Super Bowl. But I, I always thought that that really sent the wrong message with a delicate issue because you want young people that if they think they have a concussion, you need to tell the trainer and you need to not be scared about – you need to not hero your way through that particular injury because you're worried about losing your So job. this is what you do instead. You, you sit the guy uh, for a game or however long to go through that protocol. Then you put him back in. You let him play one more game. And then you then you replace him. Yeah, but see that goes against coaches. Uh, give yourself the best chance to win a game. Well, if you've got a guy on the bench who's better than the guy you got playing, no, I just, I mean, but I I don't. You know. look for some sort of compromise. You know, you try and cover up the fact because I agree that's a great point you made, and you don't want to, to further that. But on the other hand, if you know the guy sitting on a bench is better than the guy who's on the field, you can't let that go on. But there you go, prioritizing the winning over the message. And I get prioritizing the winning over the message. We're talking about pro football here. But with this exception. Yeah, but you don't want eighth grade Gordon Monson looking at Alex Smith and going, oh, man, that guy lost his job because he told his coaches about a concussion. That, That message is more important to me. You know how important winning is in the NFL? Too important. This is my point. Yeah. 
I don't know, because is that fair to your fans? Is it fair to your team? Is it fair to uh, everybody else that's busting their hump to win? Yeah, but how important are concussions to you, really? Or are you just saying the right thing? So, so what's your suggestion, then? If you know you have a superior player on the bench, but you don't want to send the wrong message, what do you do? I don't know. Should have started the right guy in the first place? <laughs> that's a good point. But sometimes guys evolve. But to use a concussion as a convenient excuse to move on. I just no, I wouldn't. Like no, I just I don't like it. I don't think it sends yeah. the right message. And I do think that there are some things that are more important to winning, like the continuation of the sport, which <laughs> head injuries put that into You jeopardy. know, the remarkable thing about that is that the NFL seems healthier now than it ever has been. It seems more popular now than it ever has been. But I know a quarterback – here locally that hit a concussion and won a state title. Yeah. Hit a concussion in the state title game. And that player would probably look back on you, uh, look back on it and say, boy, that was the right decision. But it's not. That's yeah. my point. Yeah. Like, you've got to send the message. With the head injury, it's just so – you can't always depend on the player to do the right thing. Because Sounds they wanna, like you can't always depend on the on coach. The coach. To do that. Oh, how many coaches have we seen that put running backs that don't even know what planet they're on back into the game? Yeah. Speaking of USC, we talked about them a lot today. I remember that game against Utah where I think it was Robert Woods got hit so hard he ran off to the wrong sideline. And then they put him back in like two plays later, and it was like. Hey, Jake, he got dinged. We've got to, with that particular injury, you have to err on the side of caution more on the side of uh, toughen it out. And do you, you think perpetuating this message uh, will will continue the idea or the tradition of, of hiding it? So don't you tell your coaches that. you're going to yeah. lose your job because you know, Gordon, I know you know this. We've talked about it. Players in college and pro and high school, they live in that constant – talk to Hans about this – that constant fear yeah. that the minute that they come off and somebody else goes on in their place, they're going to lose their job. I talked to a kid in the NFL who uh, – I won't name him, but he was uh, – he got he was playing special teams, and he was trying to hold on to his position on that team. He got crushed on on a kickoff, and he wanted to hide it. But when they went back and watched, the team watched it, he said that the whole team was celebrating it and making fun of it like it was somehow uh, to be circled and laughed about. It darn near killed the guy. That's Yeah, that message has to change. I'll, I'll agree with you in that regard. I just don't know how pragmatic it is to say to a coach, hey, we know number two is better than number one. But we're going to have to give it another six games because we don't want to send the wrong message. Interesting how virtue is not often pragmatic, it, it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's the problem yeah. with this world because that's the way it is a whole lot. Stay tuned. More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Ready, 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 ready. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Hey, hey. The Utes open up Pac-12 play as they welcome in Washington State for an early start. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 1030 with the postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. Ah! From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Ah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Oh, hey guys, Jake here from my friends at Zero Res. And listen, summer is over. We're all sad about it. The kids are going back to school, and that means it's time to take care of those carpets. And Zero Res is here to make sure you get on track to have a plus, have an A plus in carpet cleanliness. Listen, after summer, there's a good chance all the kids and visitors have uh, come into your house dragging in dirt and dust and dander, and it gets filtered deep down into your carpets where your vacuum just doesn't stand a chance. That's where Zero Res comes in. They have the patented process that cleans your carpets without soaps, shampoos, or harsh chemicals. It's very safe. It's effective. It leaves zero sticky dirt attracting residue behind, so your carpets are going to stay cleaner longer. Plus, they don't flood your carpets like uh, the traditional carpet cleaners, meaning your carpets are going to dry faster, and you can get back to real life quicker. Schedule your carpet cleaning today. They've got a great deal for Zone listeners. Give them a call. Tell them Jake from The Zone sent you. They're going to hook you up just $33 per room clean, plus the fourth room is free. Call 801- 1-281-288-9376. That's 801-288-ZERO. Or you can book online too, zeroresaltlake.com or up north, zeroresdavisweber.com. That's zero res. Your home for the best college football coverage in Utah. This is your Utes at 50 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Utah 50 update. Here's QB1 camerizing, saying Utah is focused on starting games better than they have so far. Just play with swagger. I think this is a team that has athletes from top to bottom, running back room, receiver room, tight end room, O-line room. We got everything that we need on this team right now and just making sure that we go out there and play with swagger from the get-go. This update brought to you by Marley's Gourmet Sliders. Whether it's a classic Rickster, Killer, Handsome Rob, Pastrami, Fajita, or Killer Breakfast Burritos. And don't forget the best shoestring fries out there. Marley's Gourmet Sliders will satisfy any hunger just off 515 inside Timpanogos Harley-Davidson. That is Marley's. isn't much that makes Austin Horton angry. Wait, who are we kidding? Almost everything makes Austin upset. This is Austin's airing of grievances. The tradition begins with the airing of grievances. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from Granite Credit Union here in Sugar House. Brand new Sugar House location, 15th East, 21st South. Time for Austin's list. Our producer, Austin Horton, has an enemies list, someplace you don't want to find your name, yet we put names on it all the time. Austin, who's going on there today? Uh, the Rich was going on the list, just in general. The Rich. Richie Rich? Yeah, The Rich. Uh, what would what would you do to be able to go to like a, a private oasis away from this health crisis where there's no threat of COVID? There's no threat of or you don't have to wear a mask. They don't care if you are or aren't vaccinated. What would you do to get to somewhere like that? Well, you, you, then you'd, you'd be isolated. You'd be completely isolated. Yeah, it'd be nice, right? You'd, well, there's a I lot of people know. that would do a lot to do that. I, I'm would sure. You, would you want to be isolated for t- two years? Uh, away from this health crisis, yes, I would really like that. Yeah, yeah, I'd but like then you would miss it. out on everything that you are able to do. Oh well, I'll take my family with me. That's what matters. <laughs> uh, well, there's a, an island in the Caribbean that uh, up until now, now in a couple weeks, they're changing this on October first because they've been made to uh, by like the Geneva Convention and stuff. But the, there's a Caribbean island that you have to prove 
that you make at least $70,000 a year and can take a two-month vacation, and then they'll let you onto the island. And then you have to stay there for two months. And you're not allowed to... Uh, they don't ask for you to wear a mask. They don't ask you to be vaccinated just to make sure that you're rich and that you can uh, avoid work for two months and then you're good. Now, where, where, where is this island? I'm asking for a friend. Yeah, uh, it says the Caribbean. I don't. Montserrat, I believe. Uh, if that makes any that, sense. That's a fairly, that, I mean, that's a decent sized island. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, the problem really is that uh, that's great and fine. And Danny, I get that the rich get to do things that us uh, normal people don't. But the problem here is that all of the resort workers, the, the natives uh, on the island, the employees, mm-hmm. they don't have access to vaccines. They don't have access to really any great health care. And yet here come all these ugly American rich people with their germs into this place, and these people are not allowed to leave the island either. So there's people catching COVID that otherwise would have been free from this monster had Wait ugly Americans not can't ever they, gone there. Can't they get vaccinations? They're not on, on this part of this island. They have not received a vaccination yet. Well, get the vaccinations to those folks. Yeah, well, that's, that's kind of why they're on the list, yeah. Well, Gordon just said to get it to him, so I'm sure it's solved. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, a lot of islands have done that. Well, just Why saying what this, this is here. Maybe uh, they can't afford it. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll and then these poor people that live there, they aren't, the ferries are not allowed to come and go. So they're stuck and they can't even be with their families because they have to work. So anyway, the rich, you're on the list. So Gordon finally makes a list. <laughs> I made the list months ago, honestly. You know what I saw a minute ago? I saw a guy ride the motorcycle by here with a dog on the back of his motorcycle. And the dog was wearing goggles. Oh, I know that guy. You do? Was it a, like a like a brownish dog? Oh, I, I, I couldn't tell. But he was just sitting comfortably on the back of that motorcycle wearing it, they weren't like science project goggles they were they looked like you know each one had its individual circle around his eyes i've never seen a dog on a motorcycle like that before yeah you? i know i go this guy named Kerry that has trained his dog to do that and he wears the goggles and a little hat like a little helmet hat how does he stay on he's a good dog what come on he has to be he's strapped he's in. strapped on yeah yeah Stapled. <laughs> hey, those milk bones are good. They'll do anything. Just staple my he's dog gonna, on the back of my he's got, Does he have like a little stick with a milk bone hanging from it in front of the, the dog? We're live here at Granite Credit Union, their brand new Sugar House location, 15th East, 2100 South, just north of Sugar House Park. Uh, they're great. They have full service financial services, savings, checking accounts, auto, visa, mortgage loans. Uh, they have daily giveaways going on. Food trucks are going to be here drawing for prizes. They want to uh, alert the community they are here to help you. So drop on by and uh, find out what they've got going on here at Granite Credit Union. More of the big show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to the great folks here at Granite Credit Union, their beautiful new branch here in Sugar House, Gordon, 15th East, 21st South. They are, are wonderful people. They're eager to take great care of our listeners and they've got a snappy new branch just to do so. Snappy is a good word. For it me. is a good word, right? It is snappy. Yeah, I mean, it's very comfortable. It's like uh, sitting in your living room. So check it out. It is their grand opening, and it uh, continues on. Gordon, I'm sure you have big plans tonight. Well, I'm going to go to dinner, I think. Oh, yeah? Well, I didn't see your, your tux. It might not. It must not be your normal dinner spot. Uh, no, I don't, I, no, I'm not wearing a tux. Usually you know me, I'm a, I'm a good food, casual guy. I know, but they don't let you into the places you want to go unless you've got the tux. Uh, I, don't, I don't care. And unless you present the Diners Club card, then they don't let you in. Do you have the DC? No. Well, I don't know. Not that I know. You don't know? <laughs> That's a yes. I don't handle those things. You don't see the Diners Club all that. You probably have the, what? what's the... the big american express one the the black card card. no i don't have a black card let's see the wallet no you don't need to show me i believe you kind of i do have a black credit card but it's not an american express black card it's diners club you can buy a house with that thing you know that diners club or a really expensive car maybe oh you could buy whatever you want with that you could black card i've got a friend who has one and uh yeah. A friend. Pretty handy. Is it? A boat. You could pay a gardener. Renovate the house. Get a new deck. You could pay, pay a, a second gardener. Scooper. Fly in a new bullfrog. I guess you could do all those things. <laughs> my, my friend my friend could. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Fun today, Gordon. Thank you very much, my friend. Look forward to doing it again tomorrow. Lots of stuff to talk about. Football Friday tomorrow from the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. We'll talk to you then on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.